There's opportunity throughout the summer for us to continue to engage in our service with our community to serve those who need it most and to help us realize how much we are in need of relationship of those that we don't yet know. We had that opportunity this week. It was impact week and many of you got a chance to either go to a party or uh, to, to meet some of our neighbors. We, we knocked on the houses of over a thousand houses uh, around our area this week in three days. And uh, that was a really scary thing for a lot of us because some of us kind of go back to eras where we were after something different than what we were after this week. What we were after was this. We, we just said, we're, we're here and we want to pray for you. If there's anything we can pray for you about or to serve you in some way, if there's a way that we can serve you. And uh, we had uh, lots of prayer requests that were turned in, uh, service projects, opportunities to meet people. It was an amazing experience. Uh, and from that, some amazing stories emerge. And so today what we want to do is we want to share some of those stories with you. As we continue this service, that's one thing as a church we feel like we, we don't do as well as we should. We want to celebrate more the work of God. Sometimes as the people of God, what we do is we, we engage, we serve, we go on mission, and then we just move on to the next thing. But what we don't do when we do that is give God the glory for what he's done. People of God remember often what God did in Egypt as they're continuing on in the wilderness. And we need those reminders. God's alive and he's active. And sometimes he chooses to use us to work through. So today I want, I want to have us share some of those stories. I'm going to invite some up in a little bit to, to tell stories about what God did this week. And I hope this will encourage you. I hope this will uh, embolden you to, uh, to step out, become aware of the needs that you know around you and to, and to act. Because God will move with you as, as he's already ahead of us in so many ways. Uh, this morning, I want to go back to Luke chapter 10, and I'll do that in just a moment, but let's begin with prayer as we open God's word. And as we begin this prayer, I want to just invite you into a time of, of silence for a few seconds uh, to still your heart and to be ready to receive a, a word, a testimony this morning from him. Oh God, you are our God, and earnestly we seek you. We long for you as thirsty people of the desert, long for water in a land where there is no water. That's how much we long for you to come and to speak and to move and to act. And we have seen you this week after we left the sanctuary last week. We prayed prayers of expectation. And this morning we come back sharing what we've seen. Not all of the stories, but, but a few, God, that remind us that you're active and you're working, even in the midst of a world where it seems like sometimes you're absent. Today we testify and we witness to your activity. This morning, God, I pray you would pour through me and those who will speak this morning the gift of witnessing, of, of preaching, God, so that Christ would be formed in our hearts this morning. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we, we went to Luke chapter 10, and it was a story about Jesus sending out 72 of his disciples. He's got his 12 that are closest to him. There's crowds, but there are others who are following Jesus who are called out to, uh, to go on mission. And so he tells them several things that are counterintuitive, right? We talked about this a few weeks ago. He tells them, I want you to go out as lambs among wolves. Remember, you're not the predators, but you're going to be more like prey. And it may be dangerous, but it's the work I've called you to. And he sends them out without a purse, without bags or sandals, because he's expecting for people to show up to provide what they need. And the only way they can see the people of peace is if they're in need to receive these people of peace. And then finally, he tells them, I want you to eat whatever is set before you, which is a challenge for some of us, depending on what's set before us, right? But... The gift is that we get to receive the hospitality of God from those that may not yet know him. We proclaim the kingdom of God in their midst. And so Jesus sends them out, but he receives them back. And, and if you've ever been on a mission trip, you know how this goes, right? 
You long to be able to tell the stories about what God does. And that's exactly what happens in Luke 10. Right after Jesus has sent them out, they've gone on mission. They come back and they report. I want to read this morning about that report. It's a short report, but uh, one verse. It's it's Luke chapter 10, uh, beginning in, in verse 17. Luke 10, verse 17. It says there, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. This sounds like a normal mission trip report, right? The people come back excited. Everyone else is like, man, it sounds good. Maybe next year's the year I get to go, right? They report with joy. They say, even the demons submitted to us in your name. Pretty cool stuff, right? We may get a demon possession report that was cast out this week. We'll see what the stories are ahead. Maybe there's stuff we don't know about. But, but they told their stories, and that's important. Because it's one thing to go on mission, and it's another thing to report back and reflect on what God has done while we've been on mission. And I commissioned all of us this last week to go and, and to, to, to go and, and serve with all that we have. And, and remember, to find Jesus amongst those that we serve. Because Matthew 25, that's what we discover, is we don't take Jesus anywhere. We discover Jesus in new ways when we go on mission amongst the people of God that are spread out. And so this morning, what we want to do, I want to invite several on stage this morning to, to share some of these stories about what God uh, has done this last week. And basically, I asked these five. This is Jesse Lee, uh, Morgan Pirtle, Greg Kaufman, Greg Pirtle, and Kelsey Fox. And all of these were some among many that could have shared this morning about what God did this week, about what they were called on mission to do. But uh, so, some of them had some unique encounters that I thought would be important. And what I asked them to do was this. N- none of these people are the kind of people that they want to draw attention to themselves. They want to witness to what God did. And like I said, often in church, we move on to the next thing, and we fail to do this. After we serve, it's important to reflect and see how is God at work and to name those things. So first, I wanted them to name what witness, what did God do? But also, how is your vision, how, how are your eyes going to be different this week because of the encounters that you had? So I want to ask each of them to kind of share their reflections about those two questions. So Kelsey, I want to start with you. Share a little bit about your week and how powerful this was. Just a, a few um, numbers that came from the week. Um, we knocked on 100, or sorry, 1,125 doors. And so regardless of if people ask for prayer or if we actually speak to someone, no matter what, we, those houses are prayed for. So 1,125 houses were prayed for. Um, prayer and service requests, there was 115 people that said, yes, I have something you can pray for, or yes, you can serve me in this way. There were over uh, 20 service opportunities that were completed in uh, our county, and there's still more to to be done. There was 124 Greenville Oaks participants, and then which totals to 1,092 hours that were served in our service of summer. So um, Monday morning, our plan was to start, start the morning off by meeting our neighbors. And so I woke up and it was raining. <laughs> and then I was thinking maybe on the way on the way here it would kind of pitter out, but turns out by the time I got here it was raining harder. So so we, we continued about our morning. We we ate breakfast, we we spent time in prayer and, and preparing to head out. And about ten minutes before we headed out, the rain cleared and we were able to to go out right on time and which was a, a really cool thing. But then as as um after we sent everybody out, someone came in and said, Well, that prayer for rain was answered. And we, we, we kind of learned a little bit more. Someone had prayed for rain, but it wasn't so that the grass would get greener. Um, their husband, um, it, it was a woman who asked for rain. Her husband worked at the Meyerson, and there was a, a, a leak in the roof. And that Monday, there was a Dallas City Council meeting 
that was being held. And so she prayed for rain so that the roof would leak and they would be able to, the Dallas City Council would be able to see that there was a leak and that funding was needed to fix the leak at the Meyerson. So this would provide job security for her husband and so much more. And so it was just a, such a cool experience to see that God answered our, our prayer for the rain to be cleared so that we can go meet our neighbors, but also answered her prayer that it would rain so that there'd be proof that there was a leak in the roof that, and that, that they could get funding. So it's just cool to see the different ways that, that God works and ways that we just can't, we can't, even, we can't even fathom. You know, I had no idea that that prayer request had been made. And all, all the while that I was kind of hoping the rain would clear so that we could go out and do the work that we had been called to this past week. So it was, it's fun to see how God works in ways that we just don't even have any, any idea what he's doing and, and, and things just as simple as rain. Last Sunday evening, Morgan and I, along with some others, were in a group that went to our neighbors, uh, our neighborhood right behind me to our east. And we knocked on several doors. We met several neighbors that live right here in our own community. And it's amazing how warm people were to us, even if they didn't have a prayer request, even if they didn't have a service request. Um, we, were, we were greeted uh, very well. Even people that were in a hurry were, were pretty nice to us. So, uh, so it took some of that fear out that, uh, that sometimes people have of, of going and knocking on someone's door. But as we got to one part of the neighborhood, uh, we came to a house and and Zach and Tammy Pruitt and their three daughters were in our group. We had split up, uh, Morgan and I and some others were on one side of the street, and Zach and Tammy and their girls were on the other side of the street, and they knocked on a door, and nobody answered. So they waited and knocked again, and still nobody came and answered. And, and while they were waiting there, Kate, their nine-year-old daughter, uh, bent down. There was just kind of a pile of dirt right in front of their doorstep. And so she bent down, and she just started drawing and playing in the dirt. And at first, they thought, oh, she's just playing in the dirt. She's bored. She's lost interest in this. Um, but so they knocked a third time. Nobody answered. So they left a flyer inviting them to what we were doing this uh, on Monday night at the park and asking if they wanted to contact us for any service requests. And so the house looked like it could use a little bit of work. And so we went to the next-door house, and it turns out that that house is where uh, CJ and Lisa Fisher, two of our church members, live. And they had a prayer request. And they said, well, we want to go back to this house next door. We want you to join us and pray for this family. So they called us from across the street, and our entire group that was in the neighborhood gathered right there at that house. And CJ and Lisa proceeded to tell us that back in September, the couple that lived there lost their lives in an automobile accident. And CJ and Lisa had been working with their children to kind of help take care of the house and do some other things. And so they had a relationship with them through that, but they really wanted to pray for this family after this loss. And so we circled up right there, and Zach led a prayer for this family. And at that moment is when, when Zach looked down as we finished the prayer up and noticed what Kate had been drawing in the dirt. And she hadn't just been playing in the dirt. Kate drew a heart and wrote the words hope and love. And what's interesting about this is last Sunday morning, Kate asked her parents, how do we hear from God? Because I don't ever hear from God. I don't hear his voice. And that began a conversation. And one of the things that Zach mentioned to Kate is that, uh, is the story of Elijah. When he goes to the cave after having the big experience um, with the prophets of Baal, he goes to this cave and he's waiting to hear from God. And God's not in any of the, the thunderstorm or anything else. 
God's voice is heard in that small, still silence. And so he talked about how we don't necessarily hear God's voice audibly, but we hear God's voice in our heart. We hear from God in our heart. And so when Zach saw that, he kind of slapped me on the shoulder. He's like, Greg, I got to tell you this story. And he told me about Kate, and he pointed to that. He said, Kate heard from God, and God was using Kate to leave a message of hope and love for the family that's going to be here. And so one of the things that that reminded me of is sometimes I want to be a little skeptical of things like that, and I want to explain things away. Even though I'm a minister, I tend to do that at times too. But it's opened my, my eyes this week, opened my eyes and my heart to the Spirit of God in our, in our lives, moving us to things sometimes when we don't even knowing it, uh, without us even knowing it, nudging us toward things. And I believe that's what happened with Kate, and I believe that's what happened with a lot of our people during Impact Week. So I was part of a group that did reverse offering, and reverse offering is where we are given $50 to go out into our community and see if we feel called to anybody that needs it. So we had 15 to 20 minutes of prayer time just to connect with God, and we left, and we went to like four different places, one of them being Walmart, but we didn't really feel called to anybody, so we came back to the church after two hours kind of feeling like, we failed. But there's more to that story. I had the opportunity to meet a young man by the name of Devin, 29 years old. Twelve years ago, he came to North Texas with his father when his parents divorced. And in that 12 years, he's made some bad choices. Uh, got into some things he shouldn't have. Got into a crowd that he shouldn't have. Um, he has faith. He knows God through the faith of his mother and grandmother, other folks. And the last year or so, God's been working on him to prepare him differently, prepare him for a new start. He's made some good choices over the last year, uh, straightened out some things in his life, but he's had some bad knocks, had some bad days, and he's basically run out of opportunities places to stay and and jobs and everything else in North Texas, including Tuesday morning, he had an altercation with a family member where he had been staying, the uh, result of which is he no longer had a place to stay. And his reaction was, I don't know what to do. Um, uh, He had been thinking about going back home to Detroit and starting over. He didn't have the means to do it. Didn't have anything else to do, so said, I'm going to go see my daughters. Uh, They occasionally are with their uh, grandmother in Allen, so he began trucking up to Allen uh, from Dallas. Uh, Got to the Parker Road station and began walking. Walked across our parking lot. God had been preparing him. He'd also been preparing us. And he's sending to us in the middle of impact week when we were looking differently. The first person that saw him was Holly Packer. She thinks maybe uh, this is somebody we can help, calls Colin. Colin's about to go into a meeting uh, with another minister up here with Keith, talk about ministry, but he says, I'll stop and see what's going on. He went up to 
uh, Devin's said, can we help you? It scared Devin. Devin's response was, I'm from Detroit. People don't come up and ask that. Uh, Colin spent some time with us and took the rest of the way to where his daughters might have been. They weren't there. Brought him to the church. Colin didn't know what he was going to do. Um, I happened to walk out as they were walking up, and he said, ah, Greg has a son in Detroit, Detroit Connection. I'll give him to him. And so for the next uh, day and a half, I spent with Devin, learned his story, uh, took him around to say goodbye to his children, his mother, his grandmother, his mother-in-law. And those women preached messages to him about how God's trying to take care of him and giving him a fresh start. And he needs to pay attention to much better sermons than I could have given. Uh, and then Wednesday evening, put him on a plane to head to Detroit uh, with some supplies and some money to get started with, including the $50 that they couldn't find a place for earlier on Tuesday. Um, God's been working on us to, to see things differently, to make me available differently than I've been in the past. Devin's in Detroit. Uh, he didn't know where somebody was going to meet him at the airport up there, but an aunt did uh, and took him home, and he's with people that love him, and he's starting over, and God is good. Work. He's one of those people that know God, but God has to work with to get him to live differently and experience the abundant life that Jesus has for us. And then God has to work on us to see and to participate and partner with God, and may we do that more. Amen. Isn't it amazing how these stories, uh, it's almost like you can, you can touch and and they're, they can be so impactful. Um, I just, first I wanted to, to, say a word of thanks to Wes. This, um, I think this, is, this was Wes's vision. It was Impact Week, and this is his vision for years and years and years to come, and it has been impactful. It's been super impactful in my life and in our family's life, and, um, and, and so I thank Wes, but um, if we can just give the Lord a hand for what he's done through Wes. Uh, Wes, he's not here right now. He's he's actually on his third week of going, going, going uh, on trek. But uh, we we thank the Lord and what He's done. I had the opportunity of uh, getting to go door knocking on Sunday last Sunday with uh, two of my boys, Jordan and, and Jaden, and um, one of the youth interns, as well as one of the guys from Houston. And almost uh, it was almost the first door we knocked on. Uh, a young mother answered the door. This was the Rios family, and uh, she had her child with, uh, with her, and we asked her if, uh, if we could pray with her, and she was very receptive. And uh, we asked if she wanted to go get her family, and she said, sure. And so she shut the door, and we waited for a little while, and we waited a little bit longer. We wondered if we should knock on the door again, or she was waiting for the crazies to leave, right? Um, <laughs> but she opens the door back up, and she's got her whole family with her. And she probably had an additional, I mean, there was probably eight to ten of her family that came out uh, to pray with us. So we got to circle up together, and we all grabbed a hand. And I asked, I said, well, what, what, what would you like 
for us to, to pray for you about or pray about. She said, let's pray about unity and, and let's pray about um, marriages. And I said, okay. So we bowed and we prayed and, and offered prayers of blessing over unity and, and, and the marriages. And then uh, we finished and the patriarch of the family spoke up and he said in very broken English, um, can we uh, remember the Syrian refugees? And, uh, and I, I said, sure. Do you want to pray about that now? And, uh, and he said, yeah, let's go ahead and pray. And I said, well, do you want to offer the prayer? No, 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 uh, no. And it, this went back and forth between not just me, but the, the family was encouraging their, their, their papa to pray. And finally he said, ah, my English isn't good. I, I can't pray. And so I said, well, why don't you just pray in Spanish? We'll pray alongside you. And uh, he said, finally conceded and said, okay. So we bowed and waited. And uh, in loud lamentations of Spanish, this man began to pray and weep. And it was all we could do to keep the tears back, and we didn't. And I don't know when or if he switched to English, but I remember hearing what he was praying. And this man said, God, these refugees, they just want a place to lay their head. They just want a place for their family to be able to eat and safety. And you could tell that this man had empathy for that. You could tell that that guy may have been in their shoes. And they really just wanted safety. They really just wanted to be with the ones that they loved and be able to lay their head down at night and know that their kids were okay. And as a dad, that means a lot to me. You know, we, we sing this song, um, where you go, I'll go. Uh, where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow. Um, whom you love, I'll love. And, and how you serve, I'll serve. And if this life I lose, I will follow. And it's not if this life gets uncomfortable or this life doesn't go the way I want it to be go. Uh, if things don't happen the way I want them to happen, it's, it's if this life I lose, I will follow. Last night, my family had the opportunity to lay our head down in the seventh house that we've owned since since we've been married. And we have had so many blessings in this country. We inherit so much by being born in this country. We have the privilege of so much in this country. But we are different than just this country. Peter says we are a royal priesthood, a priestly nation. We are different. And if this life I lose... We have to follow. We have to follow. That's right. So how did we see God? We saw the spirit move. We saw it in our kids, and the kids wanted to go back. How are we going to see people differently? We're going to look for that spirit, and we're going to walk into it. And if this life... We lose. We will follow. Amen. Thank you, Jesse. Would you give God a hand for all that he's done this week?
Thank you all. I, uh, I pretty much manuscript every word that I say in my sermons, and the Spirit sometimes will interrupt that, and it's interesting the times you all come up and you say, like, this was a meaningful moment, and it wasn't in the manuscript. Um, those are powerful moments that are reminders of who's at work when the power's there. And this week was a scary week because I am a planner. I write about 10, 10 days out, and all I wrote was 10 minutes of material because we were trusting that we would have stories this week. And God didn't disappoint. And we could have gone on and on today. These aren't the only stories. There, were, there was a family with three generations that was serving together this week. So some of you out at the party that I met for the first time this week, I, I, we, we get to know people we never imagined we would meet. And now we are going to drive by neighborhoods. And we're going to see them differently because they're not just numbers with addresses. They're people that we now have shaken hands with and that we know their stories and we've prayed prayers for them. It will change your life if you'll walk into the lives of the people who are around you and see them as God sees them. But we have a role in this and God has a role in this. I think it's really important this morning that as we are going to close our time in just the next few minutes, I want to point us to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 to remind us of what our role is as the people of God. Sometimes we mistake this and we heap a lot of guilt and duty and shame. That's been a uh, a tradition <laughs> that's been passed down through the generations. I don't think shame and guilt get us anywhere. I don't think fear is the kind of motivator that's lasting. I think it's a, a love for people and getting to know their names and their faces and their stories and to pray with people like Jesse talked about changes our outlook, doesn't it? I, I wish we would stop getting on Facebook and debating sometimes. Because it's so much easier to put words somewhere else rather than to sit across the table from people and be changed by those encounters. That's what we need right now, is to see people face-to-face, as uncomfortable as it is sometimes to knock on their doors. It's to remember what God has called us to, which is always face-to-face interaction. Every human we encounter has the image of God stamped on them. We forget that sometimes. We need to be face-to-face. We need more people in our, in our homes, and we need to be at more tables other places. And this week that happened. Let me get back to my script. 1 Corinthians 3, beginning in oh, – now I'm way off script, sorry. Verse 5. Thank you, Spirit. What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. This is important to remember because sometimes it's almost as if the duty has been placed on us. The shame and the guilt has all been placed on us to say, it's your job to grow the church, church. <laughs> Not our job. Our job, like Apollos and like Paul, is to walk into people's lives and it's to plant seeds and it's to water them and it's to trust that God is going to do something with the seeds that we plant and that we water. And this week, we threw some seeds out. This week, we watered some seeds. 
And I love how the disciples come back in the same way. They have, they've thrown seeds. They've, they've, they've put water on things, right? And they come back and they report in Luke 10. They say, guess what? They come back in joy, just like all of us do when we come back from mission trips. Just like you heard this morning, we say, you wouldn't believe what happened. The demons submitted to us in Jesus. And they report it with joy. But I want you to notice the next verse in Luke 10. Because it's important for us to hear this morning as we've heard stories of joy. He replied, Jesus, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. The disciples saw something amazing. They saw demons submit to Jesus' name. But what Jesus sees is a whole nother level of interaction. We planted seeds, Jesus, and and we watered them. And what Jesus said is... Beyond what you could even see in the cosmos, this had ramifications you cannot even imagine. Because you saw demons cast out, I saw Satan licking his wounds. He fell like lightning from heaven. And what I wonder is, in all these mission trips and all the celebration and the reporting that we do, how often do we see only a small, partial part of all that God is doing in the world? Every student you've had in your classroom that you've taught the message of Jesus to, or even just arithmetic with love, you've planted seeds and you've watered them, and you may have seen glimpses, but God is doing more than what you saw. There's cosmic implications to it. And sometimes all we have are eyes to see what's here. Sometimes we miss it because all we're doing, like Wes, is working with students, and we never get to see that grow up and see what it becomes. But some of you have poured into people for decades for four decades, for five decades, for six decades. You've spread seed after seed, and you've watered it, and you've done all you know to do. And and you see glimpses sometimes, but I'm here to tell you there's more going on than meets your eye. There's more growth than you can even imagine. And it's not your job to do the growth. It's God's job to do that, but it is your job to scatter seeds and to water. I I love the story that Jesus tells about the parable of the sower. You remember this story? Jesus talks about different kinds of soils and and this farmer spreading seed all over the place. And and he says, some fell on the good soil, some rocky soil, some among the thorns and some along the path. But what I, I, and often how we hear this passage is that we're supposed to create, cultivate good soil in our lives for God, right? That's probably a great reading. But this morning, I want to read this from the perspective of you as the farmer. Because what the farmer doesn't do is test the soil and only throw seeds where he thinks there's good soil. The, sarmer, the, the sower, the farmer, does all that he's asked to do, and that is to spread seed. Spread it here, spread it there. Don't save it for the people that you think are best. Sometimes we pull up weeds and we forget that the wheat and the weeds look a lot alike, and only God can determine which gets pulled. All we are called to do is to tend what we've been given. It's to sow seeds. It's to scatter them all over the place. It's to water those seeds. And sometimes we get the produce from that. Sometimes we see the fruit that emerges. And sometimes it takes God to see things we'll never see until we come face to face with him. You have no idea how the seeds that you've sown and the seeds that you've watered have grown up. Sometimes we report back and we talk about the demons submitting to Jesus And sometimes we forget that there's cosmic things that are going on that we cannot see. When we go on mission trip, when we go on service, and and when we serve people in ways we don't expect, and when we go amongst those who are in prison and we visit them and we clothe the sick, when we do all of these things, we think we're the ones who are giving the blessing. But what we find is it's just our job to sow seeds and let God do 
the rest. And he does it, doesn't he? This morning we heard how he does it. This week, I'll tell you, if it wasn't Impact Week, the story about Devin wouldn't be told. Because, I mean, Holly was the first one to come across Devin. He's trying to get in the building, and she was driving off with the kids. They were screaming in the back. And so uh, she said, hey, Colin, there's a guy at the building. It's Impact Week. Maybe God's up to something. She said, if it wasn't Impact Week, if it had been a year ago, it would have sounded very different, that call, or I would have just gone on with the kids. And I was on my way to a meeting, and I'm a planner, and I've got everything in my my calendar, and I try to be on time to those things, and I, I know what my plan is, right? And sometimes God wants to disrupt that. And on this day, as I was on a meeting with, uh, onto a meeting with Keith Maloney, which he would have appreciated me showing up for on time at the time, I'm sure, I get this call, and I'm supposed to go outside, and I meet Devin, and I had no idea what God was doing. And every other week out of the year, I guarantee you, I would have not said yes to this opportunity. I would have gone to the meeting, and we would have planned for a leadership retreat, it would have ended up in some church event down the road. And we had the meeting. It went well. There will be an event down the line at some point. But the most important moments when Jesus is working with people are not the things that are on his schedule. They're always the interruptions. And those interruptions aren't by accident. And if we have eyes to see, all of a sudden, they become places to scatter seed. They become places that we water. We don't bring the growth, but it's amazing what God does when we take those interruptions and we aren't frustrated by them, and we don't just go on to the meetings that we had before. We take them as divine interruptions that God might just do something with. You've had it happen over and over again in your life, haven't you? Probably this week you can think back to a moment that wasn't on your schedule that became a more powerful moment than the others that were. And if we have the eyes to see, and if we're praying about it, this is what Impact Week's done for me, is I'm going to enter this week with new eyes to see what I would have never seen before because I had an interruption and God did something in the process. So we report back. There are probably demons that submitted to Jesus down this week. We can definitely tell you stories about people that are in different cities. Uh, don't know we're supposed to send people away. I don't remember that scripture, but it seems like it's a good thing, right? Be well and warm, fed, warm and well fed. We don't know what's going to happen in the lives of the people we touch, but we know this. God has changed us this week. And praise him for doing that. Because we need to be changed over and over and over again so that we can scatter seeds, not where we think the good soil is, but we just do our job. And it's to scatter seeds and let God do the rest. Let's pray as we close this morning. God, I I thank you so much for interruptions in our lives that are the whole point. God, help me to be a person who needs to be less in control of things and that offers to you more of my time and more of my efforts and energy and more of my sight so that I can see the people that you love most. Help our interactions to be less, to be more face-to-face. God, help us to interact with our neighbors. Help us to be across table from people who are different from us. Help us to be what the church is called to be, which is a city of different people, God, who are called up in a mission that's the same, just like Jesse said. It's the kingdom, it's our priesthood that we take on, not the distinguishing factors that divide us the rest of our, in the rest of our lives. God, we want to be that community that forces the world to look and go, how in the world are all those strange people that would never get together for any other reason than Jesus? Why are they together? And we're able to say, it's only Jesus. We wouldn't stay together any other way. So God, we thank you for the bond of peace, the bond of unity that comes from your spirit 
And this week, we're just going to throw more seeds out, God, and we're going to trust that you'll do what you do with those. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.